Ring, ring, it's time for another episode of Crossplay Conversations, the show where we deep dive into the world of video games while keeping it light. I'm your host this week, Luke Lewis, and I'm joined by my first co-host. He's the sneaker savant. It's Joseph Hooper. Hello. How's it going, everybody? Going well. Happy to be back. Third time's the charm on podcasting. We're also joined by our other co-host. He's got 99 podcasts, and this is most certainly one. It's the business boy, Jacob McCourt. Chill! I'm in the house! Let's talk about license games, baby! Let's go. How, how y'all doing? Happy, happy to be here. Happy to be in the host chair this time so y'all can get up to shenanigans, corrupt youth, you know, everything we do on this podcast. Are we sticking with boot up your games, boot down? I don't What, what no. is it again? No? It, it, it was boot up your boot consoles, up. boot down your minds or something. <laughs> I mean, Stupid. honestly... That's pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. pretty good. Well, we'll see what happens. But anyway, shenanigans aside, I'm sure there'll be some more shenanigans in this podcast. I just wanted to quickly thank everybody who has taken the time to check out the show so far. It's been really fun to see friends and family and folks in the industry um, give, giving us some love and spreading the show and, and good vibes. So we're excited to keep it going on this here, episode three. To kick things off, I'm going to follow... Um, Joseph's trend that he set up on the last episode with a little icebreaker question to set the mood, set the tone, get us into things. Um, So today we're talking about licensed video games. We're going to talk about the past, present, future, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and break down everything we have to say about licensed video games. But before we get into that, I want to talk about what is the first game you remember beating as a kid? Bringing it back to childhood, what is the first game you remember beating? If you need a moment to think, I have my answer, but... Go ahead. So, in the theme of the licensed video games, the first game I remember beating is DreamWorks hit film Over the Hedge. And it was the original Xbox movie adaption tie-in game to that game. You ran around, it was up to four-player co-op. I remember being Vern the Turtle. You had, like, golf clubs as weapons, which I don't even remember being an element from the movie, but you, like, beat up robots, and you you go on a, a plot totally different from the film. So, but I distinctly remember rolling credits on that game. I played a lot of games as a kid, but I don't feel like I finished a lot of games as a kid. That's but I, I remember I'm that one. Is like, I, I know I played a crap ton of video games, Sure. I really don't think I started beating them until I was, like, in the GameCube era. Mm-hmm. So, like, is there a chance with my mom that I beat Super Mario Brothers, the first one, or Yoshi's Island? Probably. But could it could it? Or did you just play a lot of the first, like, three or four That's it, worlds? You know I what I mean? Like, like, just on repeat. Sonic 3 is one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I think it holds up okay. The music slaps. But I never beat it. And I think to this day, I still haven't beaten it. So I, I think the answer I'm going to go with is is Kirby Dreamland 3. Because I'm okay. fairly certain I beat that one. Love it. Joseph, do you have one? Not licensed. I'm in the same camp. I'm in the same camp. I don't. It's really like, I know I beat like Ratchet and Clank on the PS2. But Dope. like Super Mario 64, I don't think I beat that. I don't remember seeing credits. Um if it's not a PS2 game, I, I would have to guess it was like a Pokemon Ruby oh, or something. A like Pokemon game is a good pull too. That yep. might be 
one of my earlier ones too. I was thinking about it though, and I remember um, PlayStation One was the first console I had like in my household. Like my uncle was a big fan of video games, and I played older stuff with him. But that was the first one like my parents got for us. And I feel like it was like a year or two before we had a memory card. So I feel like I was just restarting the opening of games and I was just like, oh, it's like the arcade. You know, you just play the game as long as you can make it. That's the yep. game. Yep. Little kid brain did not conceptualize that like, oh, I should be able to like progress further than just this. Just keep the so, console on and you'll be fine. Right. So I think that's part of this whole like thing of like, did I beat these games? I I had demo discs also. I remember a lot of demo discs as a kid of like playing hours of Spyro the Dragon demo disc. Mm-hmm. and things like that where it's like i wasn't even playing the full game um anyway but that's neither here nor there i i thought this might be a good segue maybe it's just because i had the connection of like the licensed game that i remember beating as a kid but let's let's get into things um i want to break down first with this discussion when we think licensed video game you hear that term what comes to mind maybe start with you jacob yeah, um, I usually think of, when I hear licensed, I usually think licensed from another platform uh, or another medium. So typically for me, a licensed game is like a movie, a television show, a book, a piece of music. Uh, that's normally what, I can't think of a game based on a piece of music. Maybe we'll think of one, but like that's what I think of when I think of licensed. And then for the most part, except maybe for the last couple of years, there was an era where that just meant, the game's also probably crap. <laughs> mm. For sure. Uh, I don't know. I, Joseph, do you feel the same way? Uh, first of all, Def Jam Fight for New York. Is that licensed? That's, yep. That's, that's, that's I think so. Yeah. That's licensing like, likenesses of mm-hmm. rappers anyways. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I, I genuinely think um, when I think of licensed video games, uh, I think of like well-known IPs that are not already video games so there's a lot of licensed ips that are in video games that we just don't know or other things or or whatever but like especially when i see a transformers game or you know some superhero game i'm like okay yeah yeah this or back in the day when there was a movie right around the corner of the video game release and it tied in perfectly that was it I feel like specifically to the movie tie-in thing, like, we really don't see much of that anymore, and it's interesting how licensed games have kind of evolved over time, um, to your point, and I think, like, the sheer quantity when we were kids was so much more, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it it's interesting, though, because I think there's this gray area with certain properties where, like, certain licenses, I think, are so intrinsically tied to video games that it's kind of... Like, for example, Star Wars. Yeah. I th- there you know, Historically, there have been so many Star Wars games dating back to Super Star Wars on the SNES. Like, there's just been so many titles that, like, I almost don't consider that a licensed video game because mm-hmm. there's been so many quality products within that. And, like, thinking about, like, Jedi Survivor this year, like, that's a licensed game, but it feels like in a different pantheon than some of these, you know, historically crap games, to your point, Jacob. Well, that's a fun distinction, right? Because if you think of Knights of the Old Republic or you think of Jedi Survivor, those are original worlds, original characters right. for games. So, like, that line can get really gray really fast. Because, sure. yes, the world of Star Wars is owned by Disney and billions of dollars and George Lucas is rich. But those are original properties made only for games. So the line is very gray. 
Yeah, definitely. So I think it, it's worth kind of walking through some of these different eras and highlighting games that we enjoyed or we remember playing or the games that we distinctly remember were very bad and kind of talking about this evolution of this um, kind of subgenre of gaming. Um, so kicking things off, I, I have a big list here. Yes, Joseph. Objection. Oh, no, here we go. We need Objection. A, we need a Phoenix Wright uh, sound effect to put in there. Um, <laughs> okay. So I know we got this list here. Yes. Um, and quite frankly, I don't have comments about 50% of these games, so I want to <laughs> propose a, a, a question before we get into the list, right? Sure. Um, I think licensed video games are interesting because, yes – a lot of times when we look into the past, early 2000s, mid 2000s, we're like, oh, yeah, licensed video games were bad. But I feel like licensed video games are the gateway drug into video games for a lot of cases, right? Like, even though we now in hindsight look at these things and, and say they're bad, like, a lot of my favorite games growing up, like, a lot of my favorite games were licensed. Like, I'm talking about from every different medium. Dragon Ball Z. I played so many Dragon Ball Z, Budokai, Tenkaichi. Budokai, baby. Um, like, I have Spider-Man 2 on the PS2, like, is a game that was always one of my favorite games of all time. So, like, how do you guys feel about, like, the gateway drug of licensed video games? Like, can you guys relate as a ch like child? Like, what attracted you to... Uh, the video game space. Was it licensed video games? Because I know personally my earliest memory, I feel like, is watching Pokemon on TV and then realizing, oh, shoot, like, this is a whole game. Pokemon Stadium and blah, blah, blah. That's what kind of got me into Pokemon itself was the cartoon license mm -hmm. seeing it in a video game form. So I'm curious how you guys feel about that gateway drug aspect. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like the other element to licensed games that we haven't touched on, as kids were, were gifted video games for holidays, for Christmas, birthdays, etc. And I feel like early on, especially, licensed games were like the obvious go-to for my folks who like didn't grow up playing video games, didn't really understand that culture. And so they would see like the Rugrats game on PS1 and be like, well... He loves Rugrats. He's probably going to enjoy this game or that sort of thing. So it's like the reverse gateway drug of my parents were like, he'll probably, he would enjoy this because he enjoys, you know, the other medium to your point about Pokemon. I was a GameStop employee for a couple of years from, I think, 2004. Guys, I'm old. 2004 to 2007. <laughs> and so that was like prime PS2 era. And the amount of times that I would attach a Lego Star Wars game to, like, a new console sale was... That game was really universal in that, like, to your point, it smashes two IPs together, right? Traveler's Tale says, not just Lego, but how about Star Wars? And we smash them together, and so parents are like, oh, Lego is a... For parents, there's a lot of comfort in being like, yes, Lego is a brand that I that I trust with my child. Star Wars, that's a brand that I trust with my child. So, like, why not get that video game? What is this, Jack 2? I'm not putting that in front of my child. Uh, I'm not sure why I'm going vaudevillian, but, like, <laughs> I think that, to your point, Joseph, I hadn't really thought of, like, licensed games being a gateway because... There are clear eras in gaming where they were bad, and then they were mostly fine, and then they got really good. 
Because there's a lot of crap. The amount of times I, I sold a Polar Express game or an Arthur, not like the yellow Aardvark Arthur, like the, I think, DreamWorks movie Arthur. Too many than I'd, than I'd rather say, but like, they are a gateway drug. You're so smart. How do you do that? <laughs> I have a uh, yes and little, uh, you know, what, what improv add-on yeah. to my own thing. Yes yeah. and, they are they are good, but... Like, remember back in the day, right? Like, how you got advertised games or how you found games, at least for me personally. Like, nowadays, gaming has, you know, outgrossed movies, has outgrossed whatever. Um, Back in the day, I would literally just, I just knew I liked video games. I didn't really know what video games were out there. So I would go to Blockbuster and I would just look at cases. And a lot of times I was like, oh, Shrek Party for the GameCube or whatever. Yeah, I'll play that because I like the Shrek movie. Um, same for like Kingdom Hearts, where it's like, oh, there's Disney characters in this. Like, this is a video game with like every Disney character you can imagine. Sign me up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's something that was really selling me in the actual physical location. Uh, similar to how you said about GameStop, it was the same way. You're just browsing, and whatever catches your eye is what you know you end up spending money on. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. Uh, like, we're not in that era anymore, and video games kind of sell themselves. They have their own hype machine that starts at E3 or not E3 or whatever press conference, and, you know, it kind of just takes it away from there. Uh, so, unfortunately, even though there aren't that many uh, licensed tie-ins anymore anyways, I do kind of miss that hey, you're browsing and you're finding something that connects with you out of nowhere. You didn't know this game existed and now you do. And now you're taking home Beyblade for the weekend on your GameCube because you just randomly found it in a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I miss those days, man. You know what days I miss in that same like licensed game era is like the time when we were split gen between like DS, Wii, PS2, because... A lot of the licensed games, for some reason, like, there was such an install base with the DS that sometimes they would give, like, an entirely different team, like, the Iron Man license. So, like, Iron Man was a Sega game, came out in 2008, I think. The PS2 and Wii game is entirely different than the 3DS game. That is entirely different from the DS game because they all were with different devs and they are all different games. And, like, Mm -hmm. some of them are fine and some of them are quite (laughs) bad. Like, that's the era of, of stuff I miss. Of just like, which version are you going to get? Because some of them are shit. Right. And to Joseph's point about walking into the blockbuster, that was part of the fun too of like you pick up that Beyblade or Shrek game and you're like, I wonder if this is good. And then some weekends you had a great time. Some weekends you had, you were like, damn, mom and dad, can we go back and return this? There was a Shrek party game that was fine. That was like trying to be fusion frenzy, but like Shrek and it was okay. The Shrek 2 game shockingly good and min max did a whole like thing of content with it earlier this year or that might have been last year but regardless according to them it still holds up which kind of gives me like a nice feeling in my heart that like okay as little kid luke who enjoyed that game a lot had good taste you know (laughs) kind of crazy that we've almost come full circle right with that blockbuster experience where Blockbuster, it 100% was. One, I'm a kid, so I don't really know the value of money. I don't really, I just know this place allows me to take a game home every weekend. But also, it's like you're getting a game every weekend, and you're going to return it, and you're going to get a different game. So you can mm-hmm. take a risk on pretty much sure. whatever. 
Fortnite. It's not like, hey, if this game sucks, this is your one game for the year. It's like, hey, you're coming back next Friday, so it doesn't matter. And now we're kind of back in there with that, with this like PS Plus slash Game Pass ecosystem that I'm kind of super jazzed about. Like, I love the idea of, hey, I'll give this random Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge arcade game a try because it's on Game Pass. And what do you know? It's actually really, really good. So um, I'm, I'm kind of hyped that we're back into the point where, hey, licensed games are back in, I think, a pretty good way, as we'll talk about soon. But, hey, you can try a lot of these things out without much penalty to you, kind of like the olden days as well. For sure. So that said, considering, like, stumbling upon these gems, enjoying them as children, I want to unpack what we feel like makes a good licensed game. Jacob, do you want to kick us off with that one? Yeah. um, I almost wonder if there's, like, two different versions of good, um, because... We've moved now to a lot of original games with IPs, right? We've got a, a great list here in front of us of stuff that's come out recently of like your, you know, your Guardians, your Ghostbusters, your Disney Illusion Island, that those games like do original things with IP and the game is given to a studio who like knows how to make great games and does it. But I think like the thing that maybe we're, we're brushing past is like there was also an era or we've talked about the era of like the 3D platformer that like has good fundamentals and is a solid seven. So I guess if I'm, if I'm pulling it back and I'm looking from 20,000 feet, I'm saying this, the dev has enough time resources, respect and love for the IP to put something together that is like fair to players has good value and is fun to play. Heck yeah. How about for you, Joseph? Uh, I think making a good licensed game is a hundred percent all about capturing what makes the license interesting in the first place, right? Like, I don't, I, I'll push back and say, like, a licensed video game doesn't even need to be that technically good. It doesn't need to be that solid of a game. Uh, because I remember, like, renting some random Wolverine game, like, based off of the movie from Blockbuster. Yeah, it must have been Blockbuster. X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yeah, exactly. That's X-Men a good Origins game. Wolverine. That's a fun game. Yes, Quite frankly... Is. I think I watched the movie bootlegged and <laughs> I didn't realize the, the movie was unfinished. So like you got to the point where like Deadpool shows up and it was like, they're fighting on like a half CGI building. I'm like, this is so weird. Why would they, well, I don't get why they added this into the movie until I realized it was unfinished. Anyways, I played the game and the game I thought was really, really fun. It was very simple. It was like, Hey, you're Wolverine. You're, clawing people in slow-mo you're picking up little power-ups and you're going and going and it wasn't there wasn't that much to it but at the end of the day it really captured the essence of what i thought it would feel like to play as wolverine um and that's what made the game great like similar to spider-man 2 on the playstation it captures the essence of what i always thought um it would be like to play as spider-man so as long as you can do that and maybe not even playing as these characters maybe just meeting these characters kingdom hearts perfect example you run up on uh you know jack skellington you're like yo this is jack skellington (laughs) he's in the game right here like this is crazy it doesn't feel like they're putting pulling the wool over my eyes or something oh sorry about that guys i'm also on call today so that's what that was so i'll check that while i'm uh while i'm listening to luke give his answer but like 
Yeah, like it just feels authentic, right? So I think that's the number one thing you like. Even if the game handles mechanically well or whatever, it has to feel authentic first before you tackle any of that other stuff. For sure. Yeah, I think all really solid points. I I think back to the childhood angle for me, because I think that's just like inherently rooted in this conversation about licensed games. But to Joseph's point, I think about like my love of superheroes as a kid and wanting to like fly like Superman to swing around like Spider-Man to land punches like Batman and video games like gave me that sensation as a child. And also like as an adult, even give me that sense of like escape and like immersion I think, and it's interesting, um, the comments you made, Jacob, about quality within licensed games, because to your point, I do think there is this line of, like, I'll play a, like, okay game, but if it's a license I love, Mm -hmm. I'll, like, I'll be more forgiving of that, or at least, like, I'll find some enjoyment regardless, I think, in that, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas, like, maybe an unknown IP, same level of technical quality, um, maybe wouldn't stick as much. Um, I'm curious for you, Jacob, as we're looking at this giant list, what are some like key pillar examples for you of what represent like a very well done license game? And then maybe on the other end of the spectrum, what's something that like represents less quality? Yeah. Um, on your last point really quickly, like I, I do have more forgiveness cause I, I just played like the AEW fight forever game, which like, for sure is harkens back to the old like ukes wrestling games and that is clearly a game that like doesn't have a lot of content and just like they put out a core foundational game the first time and like i was more forgiving for it because i'm like ah, i get to like wrestle with some of my favorites and the gameplay is quite good even if there's like no frills around it so like to your point there you asked about like talk about some some great licensed games and maybe some that that were misses um I'm the oldest one on this podcast, so I'll start with some of the games that are, like, super old. Sure. Uh, I think of, when I go way back, I think of, like, the NES and think of some of the bangers on that system. I think of stuff like DuckTales. I think of stuff like Aladdin, Lion King, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers as being, like, such a cool era of, and I'm really glad that they brought some of those games onto modern consoles. Heck yeah. Um, so you could play... You know, Chip and Dale. I remember the uh, Disney Saturday Morning card, uh, the Saturday Morning collection that came out for PS, I think th- three and Xbox three hundred and sixty, and then got ported to four and yes. like, Xbox One. I think. I, re- I remember that. Yeah, yeah, because that had like six titles on it that were just like foundational to like when I was like playing games in that era because they were just like really good platformers. They weren't just like a fine license game; like they were just really good um, in that era. Like, I remember uh, games that don't necessarily, like, hit. Uh, do y'all remember the cartoon Bonkers back in the day? This was a, a cheetah who was a cop. It aired around oh, the same time as Dark Wing Oh, Duck. I do remember this. Okay. The, so, the cop part. The, yeah, the, 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 the cop cheetah. Um, <laughs> there was a this. Genesis game where it was literally, like, six mini games on it. And you could just, like, play them until you, like there were levels that like got progressively harder, but it was like basically like six mini games that you get in like a Mario party game of today that just like added layers and added complexity. So at the time I'm sure I was a kid and I loved it. But like looking back, I'm like that game 
I don't think respected players as much as it should have, and is a is a great example of like a bad licensed game because they're cashing in on you know kids who love that nostalgic old cartoon. For sure, it, it's interesting too thinking about retro licensed games because I just remember some of the games being so difficult at yep. the time, and part of it we were kids playing them. I remember I had a Peter Pan game on PS1 where you had, it was like a 2D side-scrolling situation and there were these levels where you're like flying or swimming and you had to like navigate vines and like pirates throwing knives at you and like, it was so difficult. Like my mom told me a story once, like recently as an adult and she remembers like, I was like crying trying to play this Peter Pan game and she felt (laughs) so bad because she's like, man, we just spent like, $70 $70 on this game. <laughs> you have to finish it. It's like, yeah, you can't get up and eat dinner until you finish this level, Luke. We but but it's things. just kind of wild because, like, these games were made for children, but I, I remember them, some of them being brutally difficult or trying to play, um, I want to say it was Aladdin. Yep. Hard. Very difficult as well, but, like... It's so cool to hear the music, so cool to, like, be in that world, and, yeah... I also think there's there's some factor of, like, these licensed games are fun for families, too. Yeah. Like, I think that was a solid introduction for my mom to be like, oh, whoa, I actually like watching these video games because she loves, like, Disney animation or, like, you know, film. And so seeing that those concepts kind of slowly evolve with games over time, I think, kind of gave her some buy-in and ma- ma- made gaming, like, part of my whole family. And, like, hanging out together was, like, we can all just play a game whether it's co-op or not we can all just kind of enjoy this experience together i really adored how sometimes there were in that same era there were like incredible surprises right yeah i don't know if y'all played or heard of mcdonald's treasure land adventure oh no no i'm thinking of burger king sneak king (laughs) oh god we gotta talk about the burger king games yeah holy shit okay but anyway go ahead so if you know treasure like treasure made some like very classic like gunstar heroes uh Mm -hmm. they did wario world for gamecube like some very classic games and then come out with this mcdonald's game that you play it's a platformer where you like shoot magic as ronald mcdonald that clearly was probably a game in development they just reskinned to be ronald mcdonald but that game is dope as hell. So I guess That's I would rad. tell you, like, it's on Genesis, and if you if you find one, it's, like, literally one of the best licensed games from that era. For real. No joke. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. awesome. So uh, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening to McDonald's. Well, what was the original <laughs> question, all right? Because I'm, I'm over here handling some work stuff. While You're good. Also You're good. listening to Luke talk. What was the original so question? So I think the the initial pitch was... What is like a pillar, positive, good example of a licensed game for you personally? Oh. And then oh. other end of the spectrum, what's poo uh, poo bad? Pee pee poo poo. I don't have yes. a I don't have a bad example to be honest. Okay, like, back Fair in enough. the day, if I played a game I didn't like, it was you're getting deleted out of the memory bank. We don't mm-hmm. have time to remember those types of. You things. got Men Except in Black just wiped from the Glover. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you, Glover, one of the worst games I've ever played. Maybe we'll talk about that in a different podcast. That game, Mike Towndro is gonna like manifest onto this podcast right I could now. Not if you get say past that. the first level. I could not figure out how to. There was a door. I couldn't. Know, I couldn't figure out how to get through the door. Anyways, uh, a good example. Um, 
Man, Spider-Man 2, all right? Yeah. I'm not talking about Heck the yeah. 2023 upcoming release. Releasing on my birthday, by the way. I like to think of that as like Ooh. some sort of symbolism. Love that. For a long time, Spider-Man 2 on the PS2 was one of my favorite games of all time, man. That game was incredible, especially for being a movie tie-in. Yeah. Like, back then... They, those didn't exist. You weren't seeing bangers for movie tie-ins. So me coming off of Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi, just being hyped as a little kid, getting the video game purely off of you know the tie-in propaganda and having it be one of the best games I've ever played was just super incredible, man. Like the way they captured the web slinging around the city, the way that you could go almost anywhere. I was going to the yeah. Statue of Liberty. I was going to these little, going into these little pizza parlor bodegas mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and just the level of detail in like, not just the main story, but the side missions too. Like delivering pizzas and having the pizza get all messed up if you start yeah. start uh, flipping too much. Saving little girls balloons, which quite frankly got annoying after a while, but I had a great <laughs> time with it. Um, and then also just capturing the magic of like the villains that weren't even in the movie. So mm -hmm. not only did they capture the theme of the you know actual Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock and everything, but they added all these extra villains. I remember specifically there's a little, I think it's a main mission with Mysterio. Mysterio is like a big chunk of that yep. game. Um, and I was so specifically, like this memory is seared into my brain. I was having a sleepover. Because that's what I did back in the day um, with me and one of my best friends. And we were playing Spider-Man 2. And we get a call. And they're like, Mysterio is like holding up a, a grocery store or something, a, a bodega. I'm like, okay. We go in. And his health bar goes like, uh, he has like three health bars. Like, this is Dragon Ball Z Budokai or something. And me and my friend are like, oh, my God. Oh, my oh my God. And, like, we're ducking behind the little, like, snack, snack drawers. And we're like, oh, my God, dude, how are we going to beat him? How are we going to beat him? And then we're like, go, go, go. We punched him in the head, and like all three health bars go down at once. And it was the funniest thing. We were crying tears. And that's a memory I still remember. It's had to have been like, that's like almost two decades ago that I'm remembering this memory. So, like, that's just like, that's magic right there. I don't know if any video game license lives up to like that magic that I have in my head for Spider Man 2, but um, that's, that's the pinnacle right there for me. That's awesome. Keep I had to grab... Oh, go ahead, Jacob. I was just going to say, like, at the end of the game, don't you, like, have to collect a bunch of coins or points, and then, like, Peter Parker just says, like, thanks, and, like, literally looks at the camera and, like, says thank you for collecting all those points? Am I misremembering this? I'll be honest. I don't remember any points. I don't know if this is a Bernstein, Bernstein Bears type situation. <laughs> I do not remember any points, but quite frankly, did I beat that game? That's, that's a callback from the yeah. earlier episode. I don't remember. I don't think I beat the game because I think I was too busy just swinging around and just mm -hmm. vibing out with the game. I had to grab a prop while you were talking Ooh. about Spider-Man. So my Spider-Man game that I have the similar nostalgia is, is that the... a sealed copy? No, it's just a plastic like a wrap. Bad. I bought this at PAX West last year, um, I think. Okay. Um, anyway, this is Neversoft, Activision published on the PS1. Um... I adore this game, and I think similar energy to everything you said about Spider-Man 2, Joseph, which I love that game as well, but I think I had this experience earlier because it was on an earlier console. Mm -hmm. But, like, the sense of being Spider-Man, the cool mechanics where you're um, going up on the wall 
and you're like climbing around on the ceiling and like at the time that was like whoa like the craziest game design thing i could possibly imagine of like stealth taking out dudes and sticking them to the ceiling on the ps1 the swinging was very fun and even though like the ground was completely clouded out because they couldn't render that much draw distance (laughs) at the time i still thought it was like pure magic um yeah and i adore that game and I, there was a boss fight in that game where you fight Venom that I, like, mm-hmm. intrinsically remember. I remember Rhino breaking through a wall. Like, I can still see that cutscene because I played it so many times because I didn't have a memory card. Um, <laughs> another Speaking callback to earlier in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, that we brought up Spider-Man multiple times and superheroes multiple times because I think that is kind of, like, the through line in a lot of ways of licensed games of even... We'll get into, like, more modern examples, or you mentioned Spider-Man 2 coming out later this year. Like, I think that is kind of a key... I think superhero games, I guess, like, are very straightforward in terms of, like, what would this game look like in a licensed video game format? It's like, well, you're going to play as the superhero, you're going to have their powers, and there's probably some sort of combat tied to that. Maybe we'll retread the story from the movie. Bada-boom, bada-bing, we got a a great pitch for a licensed game. (laughs) Uh, but but I mean they can they can also be bad. Too. Sure. Um, I I totally lost my thought, but there was uh, oh even the Spider-Man games like over time because uh, you know NeverSoft had the the reins for a long time and then handed them over to Beanox and those Beanox sure. like 360 era like after Shattered Dimensions like I think there was Web of Shadows yeah like that one like Spider-Man sort of lost his way and then thankfully like Insomniac found them but. The, the there's bad examples too like Superman 64 is probably one of the worst games ever made so like I don't think we can say and that this is not what you had said Luke but like superhero games are not not blanket yeah amazing. of yeah, course not what you said but like I just need to say like they can be bad too no for 100% and that said as a big Superman fan we need a good Superman game yep. for the love yep. of God. Like the Superman game based on Superman returns that came out in 2009 on PS2 and Xbox. It was okay. Mm-hmm. It was the closest I would say we've gotten, but I, I just want to fly around. I just want it to be cool. Uh, Maybe you'll su- get your game someday. Well, there's the suicide squad game uh-huh. coming where you're killing Superman. And that's not really what I'm going for, but what you want, <laughs> um, I'm curious, so I feel like we've highlighted a lot of early games and things that resonated with us as as children. I'm curious, um, I think there was kind of a, a tipping point where we stopped seeing licensed games for a number of years, or at least we stopped seeing quite as many. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Jacob, or in the PS2 era especially, it was every movie is going, yep. every animated movie is going to get a licensed video game with it. Yep. I'm curious, like... Why do you think we saw that fall off? And then what do you think was the reasoning of certain key devs bringing them back? Joseph, take it away. Uh, yeah, so I'm answering first because I'm going to mute myself in a little bit to talk to my, talk You're to good. my coworkers. But um, I think the answer is what the answer is always, money. Like, I think back in the day it was very easy to make a licensed video game you would think either because of crunch culture or whatever because you made it so hard that people could never finish them uh and those would cash in 
easy. But as video games, once again, became more popular on their own, they had to compete against actual, legitimately fun titles. We're talking about Skyrim or Elder Scrolls. We're talking about um, apparent Gears of War, Halo, all that stuff. Um, so then it's, it's not as easy of a cash grab when everybody's playing Call of Duty and you have to tear them away from that. Um, so I think that's why they fell off. But now it's coming back because... Now they've just gotten the developers that have made them made a name for themselves who have made the titles like Halo or Ratchet and Clank or whatever. And now they're just giving them the licenses and say, work your magic on this. So uh, quite frankly, I am very happy with the progression that has occurred naturally in the industry with the licenses, because now we're getting some stellar, stellar uh, licensed video games. Besides that, like Fast and the Furious game that came out last year, which <laughs> yeah. is like, or maybe this year. That I was very know. bad. Yeah, I don't know what what was going on with that, but other than that, pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I, I, to, to Joseph's point, I think like they're because it happened like right at the end of the two thousands, like right when we were kind of moving into the three sixty era. Like that to me is when we got games like your your Batman Arkham Asylums, your South Park Stick of Truths, your Walking Dead from Telltale, where like there was a lot of there was more junk than good. Like end PlayStation two times. Like, especially, like, tons of Marvel shit. Like, Thor was bad. Captain America was bad. Iron Man was bad. I'm sure there was, like... I think there was, like, a Simpsons wrestling game. Um, There was just a lot of crap, right? So I think, you know, it's the rise of online publications, the rise in podcasts. People are talking more openly about, like, hey, games are really bad. You shouldn't play licensed titles. And maybe in my mind, like, that's when publishers stopped making Connect Star Wars and started then investing in, like, original ways to twist their IP for video games. Yeah, heck yeah. And to Joseph's other point, too, I I love the fact that I think the publisher mindset changed from how do we form a studio to make this game or how do we make this game a reality but rather what studio would be great for this IP that's already making great games that already has established themselves that then those skills would lend themselves to do a great game with it. And so I think the bar you brought up Arkham Asylum, I think for me, that was like the turning point of, I think prior to that, I had kind of towards the end of the original Xbox era, I was over licensed games. I, I, it, it was a sign of, a bad game, a game that I didn't want to play of, oh, I'm, I'm growing up now. I play Halo and Call of Duty 2, you know, real, real gamer games or whatever, you know. Um, But I think um, Batman Arkham Asylum was a huge turning point of exceptional quality um, and a studio that really established themselves as like a top tier studio that I I hold in very high regard. We'll see what happens with Suicide Squad. But thinking back to playing that game, it was like, wow, people are saying this Batman game is pretty good. Oh, mm-hmm. Game Informer gave it a nine. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll pick it up. I love Batman. Let's try it. And just like unraveling the layers of that game and the Metroidvania style exploration, the cool combo based combat systems, the stealth gameplay that I feel like was very absent up until that point in that era of games in a sense that it was like a lot of run and gun, a lot of cover based shooters, but not a lot of like kind of like 
more of a puzzle approach to combat and things like that. Like, just such a brilliant game, and that series only got better and better in terms of quality and scale and such a special game for me. Yeah, and, like, there were there were games like that, to your point, that, like, a studio was given latitude to make the game that they wanted to, not the game that they were dictated to. Sure. So, like... But for every Chronicles of Riddick Butcher Bay, which is like still an incredible game to this, you know, the first person fighting and shooting and stealth, like it's it's great. For every one of those, you got five of them that were, that were like absolute shit. So I'm really glad that publishers kind of wisened up to the fact that their consumers were more wise to like hey there are even specific publications for parents that like say hey is this game going to be fine for your child um and i'm glad that they came sooner than later because we got a lot of crap back in the day heck yeah just to rattle off a few because i feel like specifically on the 360 when i was putting this list together i just had so many games that i was like oh my god i adore that game oh that's an all-timer that's something i like still go back to or um I adore the High Moon Studio Transformers games, which those have become kind of more relevant in the news right now because of licensing issues and things that are coming about because they're one of the few games that aren't backwards compatible on Series X and S right now um, of the 360 era. And there's there's pushes for them to be. Supposedly Hasbro really wants them to be because they're, I, I think, some of the highest-reviewed Transformers games. For those that aren't familiar... They're really awesome um, third-person action games, really solid shooting mechanics where you play as different Transformers. The first one is set on Cybertron, so you're, like, running around as the planet is, like, crumbling, doing cool war missions. There's also, like, incredible vehicle sequences, whether it's, like, flight or land-based vehicles and all kinds of stuff. And, like, the production values were really impressive at the time, and that's one that, like, I think after those games, we continued to get a bunch of crap movie-based Transformers games, but it was just like, oh, can we go back to the... I don't know how they sold at the time, but I know they reviewed really, really well and were, like, critically well-received. I think really well for licensed games. So, like, they would be, like, eights across the board. Sure, but to me, coming off of, like, a slew of the Michael Bay Transformers games, it was like, oh, my God, a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Yeah. But for sure. So that that's one that sticks with me over time. Similar energy with the um the Ghostbusters game that came out on PS3 and 360. Um and that one was brought to more modern consoles recently, but I think that game's incredibly fun and that does kind of a fun thing where it continues the story. It doesn't just retread the movie. You play as like the new recruit of the Ghostbusters and then you get to interact with all the different characters. So I think that that's a, kind of another way to make a, a, a different approach to licensed games so it just doesn't feel like such a retread um let's jump into do we have any other games that we haven't mentioned i, I want to kind of turn the the lens towards the future of licensed games and chat about like very recent releases and things like that do we have any other games we want to specifically shout out before we switch gears we have uh on our on our little uh behind the scenes doc here we have south park the stick of truth and I think that is also a nice take on licensed games because that was one of the first games where I felt like, oh, shoot, like this is just enhancing the universe that I know and love through the license. Um, Like playing South Park, The Stick of Truth, it felt like I was just playing one giant South Park episode and all the comedy was there. Like 
all the all the characters, the voices, everything just felt like um, basically all the love and care that's put into the TV show is put into the game. So uh, I really appreciated that. Uh, and then there's one other game I want to shout out. I want to shout Heck out yeah. Iron Man for the 360. All right, guys, Iron Man for the Ooh. 360. Uh, I did not actually own this game. And I know what you guys might be thinking. He's going back to Blockbuster. No, I did not rent this game, all right? Uh, I played the demo. I played the demo, and I think it's like a 30-minute demo. They give you 30 minutes to just fly around in this world. And I was like, this game is sick, man. I'm turning on the boosters. I think it was like, this had to have come out like right after the original Iron Man movie, or maybe the second one, I don't know. But I was like, yo, this, I feel like Iron Man. I'm shooting out jets or shooting out rockets from my fist, doing all the good stuff. And I really enjoyed that 30 minutes. Now, what I'm going to do next as we transition to this next topic is I'm going to look that game up on Metacritic, right? And I'm going to be real sad if that game got like a 50 or something. Because in my mind, that was some of the best 30 minutes I've ever played. Well, Joseph, I bet it's I, a 60 a at most. Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. Can I give you a hint here? Sure. Uh, I know that depending on, because multiple devs did multiple versions of this, this game. This is the one you were talking about. This is the one I was talking about, and it also applies to, I believe, Iron Man 2 as well, that like the 360 PS3 game has a different rating than the PS2 Wii, then the 3DS, then the DS. They all ha- they're all over the board. What and a time. That's one wild. One or two of them are good. Okay. Well, what I will tell you, as I have the review here, right? <laughs> Love it. And let me tell you, the review... Don't look it up, Jacob. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Don't look okay. it up. <laughs> what, you, what I saw almost blew me out of my chair. I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. I'm going to take guesses. We're going to do a little bit of Jacob's like video game trivia insert into this Ooh, episode. Okay. okay. Luke, Let's do it. give me your Price is Right guess for what the Metacritic score is for this game. On 360. On 360. On 360, specifically. I am going to say a flat 60. I think flat there's probably 60. some lower scores, but I think some random outlet probably gave it a 7, and then okay. it'll net out at a 60. Okay. Jacob? 64. 64. Now, if you were to ask me before I saw the score, I would have said, based off that demo, 10. We're hitting 75, <laughs> maybe 80 plus, all right? But uh, unfortunately... This game with a whopping 43 critic reviews. A lot of people reviewed this game. This game has a 45. A 45. They must have put all their dev effort into that demo because let me tell you, ooh, that demo's a 10, baby. (laughs) The opening paragraph of the review is it really drops (laughs) off in quality after the first 30 minutes. (laughs) You know what's interesting about that too and the review score specifically is that I feel like we're in this era where like Generally speaking, games really don't review below a 5 out of 10. You know what I mean? Like, we really, like, on a technical level, most games at least function. There's a few exceptions here and there, but generally speaking. But I feel like back in, like, the PS2 era, back in the, even the 360 era, I feel like we had a lot more just, like, broken games. And maybe the the whole conversation about day one patches and always online and all of that stuff, I think has played a role in that, but it is interesting to see, like we, we don't see as many hot dumpster fire license games. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't see Garfield cart or whatever. Garfield games are bad. Garfield Fun thing, cart. Joseph, Iron Man for PC, 
32 on Metacritic. Oh my god. What? Yeah, the same game on PC. What? Is it different just like... dev, 32 out of 100. To bring, it, error. <laughs> to bring it into the modern era, what did Gollum this year end up with? Because I, I think that's the most recent, like, total review nosedive I've seen for a licensed game. PS5. 30. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, I yeah, played it at PAX crazy. and it was it was not it was not good. It was not good. Is, um, 34 is crazy. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, can I bring us to a place that's maybe yes. better than 34? Yeah, please. Um, the Middle Earth games. So someone yeah. who, like, I just watched Lord of the Rings, all three of them for the first time like in the in the pandemic. I had not watched them before. I like maybe seen an hour of one of them back in time and my, my partner is super big fan. She's like, let's just watch them all. And, but before that I played, uh, middle earth shadow of Mordor, um, which, you know, I don't want to say revolutionized games sort of, but like the nemesis system is a system that I wish wasn't patented yeah. because I would love to see it in more games for uh, sure. You know, the, the thing where you would take out under bosses to get to like middle manager bosses to go and take out the big bad and like figuring out the right strategy to be like, okay, how do I go in? Do I approach with stealth? Do I try and fight them directly? Do I need to like sneak around and just like do a stealth kill? Like, that game was incredible, and I'm I'm just so, so, so sad that, like, the second game was riddled with microtransactions at the start, where, like, you actually couldn't, you couldn't beat the game without, like, quickly, without, like, paying for, like, paying to win, which is, like, they patched that out eventually, but, like, it was a real deterrent at the start, but, like, we've not really seen that system be implemented anywhere else, because it's, you know, I think Warner Brothers just owns that patent for, like, the nemesis system which sucks but we really haven't even seen anything from monolith either i believe they're working on another license project with the wonder woman game you're right you're totally I think. Right. Yeah. yeah so it's interesting that, in that. I, it would make sense in terms of like gameplay style but yeah i i really enjoyed shadow of mordor i remember playing that one in my college dorm room on my like tiny tv i brought with me um but yeah that game was very fun and I'm I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings person either. I watched them during the pandemic as well because my partner is a big fan. Um, but yeah, that that, that that game was cool. And I, to that, I liked the licensed games that chose to do something unique with the gameplay. And I think I think that's a great example of that. Um, another one I wanted to shout out of the similar era that I for I forgot to mention um, is the Mad Max game from Avalanche Studios. This game came out on the same day as Metal Gear Solid 5, and absolutely no one talked about this game. I bought it on Black Friday for $20 that holiday season, and this game is really rad. Um, for folks that enjoy Fury Road, enjoy car combat games, enjoy Just Cause, which is another Avalanche oh, so Studios good. game. Yeah, this game is legitimately really, really fun. Um, the gameplay, the driving is really really solid it's a super collectathon. it's a great podcast game if you go back and play it now but it's a really solid license game and to the point of this idea of like um dropping you in that world making you feel entrenched in it like you feel like a badass driving around in your you can upgrade your car you you're wrecking dudes like that's the closest thing to like an awesome twisted metal experience on modern consoles i feel like we've we've had and I've I've never heard anyone talk about that game, for the most part. Yeah, and didn't it come out like within a year of Just Cause Four as well? Like it, it 
Apple yeah, Apple like stacked Because they have titles. two studios and they, they did not space them out well in terms of that. And I, I adore the Just Cause games, but I feel like after two, they kept coming out at such a frequency yeah. that there just wasn't that level of quality. But I, I do like that studio and I think they were also... Maybe this wasn't Avalanche. I'm trying to think of who made the Toy Story 3 game that was also on 360. And the reason I bring that one up is in terms of this idea of gameplay getting weird and wacky, that was the game that introduced this mechanic called Toy Box Mode, where you could just go in and create shit. And that's what spawned their Toys to Life series, Disney Infinity, which is like a whole nother can of worms. Um, but yeah, I that that's the last... The three, the the three sixty, and then into the PS four is the last time I feel like we got really weird licensed games. Uh, Go ahead, Joseph. Right before we get to the future, I'm gonna take one minute to talk about a game you just triggered into my brain when you talked about like Toy Story three, Disney sure. Extreme Skate Adventure. Yeah. Oh, dude. This game was Fuck like. Yeah. This is oh like my god! Ten out of ten that nobody ever talks about. So anymore. fun! I was so skating fun. in Andy's room. I was skating uh, in Tarzan's domain. I don't know. If I remember him being Simba. Jungle. You're like going down. So freaking yeah. sick, man! That game was so good. And Toys for Bob. How about how they about made that game? That Holy back? shit! Apparently, apparently, how oh. about we bring it back? At least it looks like they were the PlayStation developer. Maybe there's a different developer for some other console. That's incredible. Uh, Oh, that's and really cool. Visions for Game oh, Boy wow. Advance. Gotcha. Whoa. Okay. That makes Shout so out. much sense. And then they worked on Tony Hawk. Holy shit. There we go, baby. There and we go. Vicarious Visions. They don't the exist anymore, do they? need to remaster that. It makes that. me so sad. No, because they like fucking Activision, man. Now they're like a, another Call of Duty <laughs> man, support Call studio. Duty. Oh, my. But they lost Sorry, the do we too. swear on this podcast? I don't know if we've established that. I think the first baby. F-bomb. Now we do. Play the, yeah. play the we jingle. Do. Play the F-bomb jingle. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, future. Uh, future. Let's get future. into the future. Let's, let's go to the future. So let's chat about some, some current examples of things that we're seeing. Because to your point, Joseph, I feel like we are in this, like, not renaissance, but I, I'm seeing more and more interesting licensed games coming out. Um I think a good starting point um, is a very recent release as of this recording, um, Disney's Illusion Island. Um, my partner Claire and I have been playing Ooh. that one quite a bit, and it is very fun. And I think to this larger discussion, it captures Disney magic in a very cool and inviting way. Um, we just went to Disneyland about a month or so ago and have kind of been very much in the mindset of like, um, you know, m memories of the fireworks show and seeing characters again and hearing the music and just like feeling those vibes. So we were like, oh, this game looks really cute. It's a two player couch co-op game. That sounds awesome. Jumping in. And it it's really delightful. It has wonderful music. The aesthetic is awesome. When you pause the game, it feels like you're waiting in a ride queue at Disneyland and there's sketches of Disney characters and the writing incredibly high production value on the game. So it, it's cool to see like intentional licensed games being made. And I know um, John Drake was very vocal on Twitter about this one. And he now works for Disney longtime um, exec at PlayStation and was heavily involved in like a lot of the really amazing partnerships that they had through the PS4 era. So it makes mm -hmm. sense now that we're seeing kind of this resurgence at Disney between this, their different star Wars projects and different things in the works. Um, that are going over over there but this game's very fun 
a little simple, but approachable isn't always a bad thing, I think, in terms of this game. But do you all have some modern examples of either games you played or games that you're looking forward to in the in the licensed camp right yeah, now? I think I, I also want to shout out John Drake because I don't think he gets enough love for some of the like bets that he's made. Because like, even I think he... Uh, helped Double Fine secure the licenses for some of the IP that were locked up in the LucasArts thing. Um, so just like the care that that team has for the licenses, but not only not only that, but like for video game preservation and for you know re-releasing Aladdin and re-releasing like LucasArts games through Double Fine. Like that's the sort of stuff that I love to see. So I guess shout out John Drake. Um, Heck yeah! I want to shout out uh, Tron Identity. Uh, that's a mm. Bithel game that came out in April that I, I plan on playing this year. Um, it looks like a lot of the other Bithel games, like your Subsurface Circular that I really loved. Um, the Solitaire Conspiracy was like one of my favorite games the year it came out. Uh, and then even in the licensed game sphere, uh, John Wick Hex, I think was like, had so much promise to it. And although it was a little rough around the edges as far as from a technical standpoint, I think that that game... Is has such like a cool like they made a John Wick game into like a turn based like shooter and it was it's so fun to play it's like combat chess and so if you're ever thinking about it and you see it it is a it is a fantastic like fun six to eight hour thing to play cool. but uh, Tron Identity and playing through some of the identity identity disc puzzles and like going through some of the the dialogue choices that you have like this is a game that I need to check out before the end of the year. Nice. That's awesome. How about for you, Joseph? Um, I I mean, I'm a big fan of Spider-Man. I'm I'm a simple boy. <laughs> Let's go. Bring like it back. Spider-Man. I like Star Wars, uh, Jedi Survivor. But uh, I think, you know, regarding this whole future of licensed projects, I think we are possibly, and this is a big question mark, possibly on the precipice of like a really cool time uh, for video games and licenses where... Like, we're going to capture a lot of those experiences that I talked about with the OG PS2 Spider-Man 2, where it's like, yeah, this is exactly what it feels like to embody this character and live in this world. And I'm super stoked for that. I think looking at Jedi Survivor and looking at uh, um, Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man 1 slash Miles Morales, like, those are prime examples of, oh, man, like, this is pretty much perfect. Um and I am very, very excited to see in the future if Wolverine can do something similar, mm. if the future Star Wars projects across a lot of teams can do something similar, if the Black Panther, unannounced Black Panther yeah. game slash Iron Man game can do something similar. Because, um, yeah, like just having a giant network of these experiences that just tackle something in you. Like, um, it's video games are awesome. We all know this. That's why we're doing this podcast. Like, it's really cool to get a Last of Us game before you know it's Last of Us and be like, wow, this is awesome. But I re it's really just hard to capture that euphoria that you get where you have a license you're familiar with and it lives up to every thought you had in your head before playing the game. Like, um, that's just the best feeling for me. And if we can get that with a lot of our favorite IPs that are going on around right now. Let's go. I'll be up high. I'll be on my feet, clapping, screaming, uh, getting hyped. Uh, but no more 
No more Avengers. Uh, <laughs> Avengers games. No more. No more of those. All right. You I mean you know what? Of, the, the I played a lot Black of that game. game, or the second Black Panther game, because there's technically two of them. So I'll tell you right now, right? I'll we'll put I'll put a bet down. I'll put money on this. All right. Okay. Ooh. Uh, Amy Hennig. I've heard a lot about this lady. Um, people gas her up. She's one of the most, you know, <laughs> legendary developers of all time, allegedly. I don't yep. know. I'm not familiar with her resume. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and when I saw our friend Blessing Adeyoye Jr. on that stage to announce that Black Panther game, I said, let's go. Let's freaking go until... They brought out like two to three other Joe Schmo characters into in the reveal, and I said, "This is, this is it. The writing's on the wall. This is bad. All right, this game is not gonna be good. All right, I put my money on it. I'm sorry, Amy. Amy Hennig. I know you guys are looking at me. You guys are so confused. Look at you're the flaming freaking, right now, aren't you? I'm not confused. I'm just like I'm. It's interesting. You, it's interesting. I'll tell you a rule of thumb. All right. Kay. Anytime you see a video game. Where you have one character that you're like, let's go. And then there's like two other Joe Schmoes in the background that you're like, you're also going to play as Tommy, the, the you know, the, the, the Civil War. <laughs> the Civil War. It's not the Civil War. It's the a World World War II game. The and World it's War Captain II America guy. and it's Let me tell you, Black Panther. I, 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 I'm just going to look. Did nobody in the room, and maybe they'll prove me wrong. I will come back on this podcast four years from now whenever pie. that game. I'll eat humble pie whenever this game comes out. But... Did nobody in the room come and say, hey, what if they don't want to play as Tommy? What if they just want to play as freaking Black Panther, all right? what? I don't get Tommy out of here. People, you saw what happened when we were playing as Mary Jane, all right? People, and Mary Jane's an iconic fine. character. It, it was, was fine. All right. Did you play as Mary Jane in the first Spider-Man game? He's, look, this guy's over here saying it's fine. Did you right? not play so, the game? I've not played Spider-Man 1. Oh, shit. Sorry, wait, spoilers. You haven't played Spider. Wait, wait okay, Bruh, that's a whole no. different conversation. I. It's just there was the so trailer, many like what moments in that last I'm, thirty seconds of this podcast. All I'm saying is we've been talking about for an hour. Licenses capturing a magic, right? Yeah. What what desire have you ever had? Watching the Black Panther movies, watching the Captain America movies, you look to the to the little troop that Captain America was running with in the first movie. You said, I want to be those guys. You've never said that, all right? So the fact that they're putting them in there, let me tell you, this game, I don't know. That's all I'm going to say. Rant over. Uh, I'll be happy to take up, eat my humble pie in four years when we forget about this, and I won't have to own up to anything I said today. Thank you very much. Okay. There's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Everyone take a breath. I mean, are you guys hyped uh, for this game? Wait, no, just a quick, it's, quick, quick. Are you guys hyped for this? Yes, I am. Because yes, I think that, uh, but you know, I read... Uh, Asterix. Uh, yeah, I, I read the um, the book from uh, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels is Schreier, right? Like, mm-hmm. Schreier's book covers Star Wars 1313, which is the project that sort of bridges between Amy Hennig's time on Uncharted, I believe, and then, like now because obviously she hasn't i think written a game for many years because she was stuck in star wars thirteen thirteen that got you know working on for a long time it got canceled and then i think she was working on an indiana jones game maybe and then like now gets put on this game that may finally come out so mm-hmm. like given what she did on uncharted as one of the you know lead writers on that i'm, I'm excited for it um i think if you're listening to the show what you do is you write a review on your podcasting platform of choice that captures in this moment Joseph said 
the Captain America and Black Panther game is going to be bad so that when we review the review someday, then we'll remember this bet. And he's going to eat his humble pie, and it's going to be great. Mm. Mm. Okay. Luke, so asterisk. here's the he, asterisk. I'm I'm not going to like put my stake down that this game is going to be absolutely amazing, but I am excited for a couple of the reasons that Jacob mentioned. I adore the Uncharted series. It's one of my favorites. My dad and I loved Indiana Jones. We played those games together. Just the vibe, the action movie energy, the scale of it all. Awesome. That said, I also read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, and the chapter on 1313 sounds incredible. Like, it sounded like the Star Wars game that I want. And so, if Amy Hennig and her team are, you know, getting the keys to the kingdom, so to speak, with Marvel licensing and are able to tell a really cool story juxtaposing black panther and captain america and i think that pairing is interesting in of itself because captain america a character that we like inherently associate with world war ii with black panther i it's really interesting it's something different that's i think why i'm excited i'm not gonna sit here and say it's like my most anticipated thing i ultimately am more excited for the ea cliffhanger studio developed black panther game i think there's more that's more interesting to me because it's more unknown but yeah so i think that's where i'm at there but you're not wrong with anything you said that is a lot of dev talent that's like super high caliber too like they named some of the studios that yes yeah worked on joseph sorry i'll leave this here i'll leave it here all right all i'm gonna say and this could be a whole different episode i will pitch this episode in our little group and maybe we'll pick it up we when we have Four characters that are supposed to be the poster <laughs> child for a video game. You know what that says to me? Hey, we're gonna have four person co op. Like we're all gonna we're all gonna be playing in our little lanes, and it's gonna be you know top down view, and we're gonna use our little powers. <laughs> I have yet to see a game that's like actually AAA quality that's super fun playing a playing that style of game. That's all I'm saying. If this is first of all, if this is not a four player co op. Avengers type situation, then sure, I, like maybe I was just misled by how they presented it a little bit. Maybe it's a very story focused single player game. That's yeah, hey, I'm all for that. I'm just saying if if it ends up being like hey, Jacob gets to play Captain America, Luke is Black Panther, and I have to play Tommy Jones, the World War Two man who has to go back to his, you know, did you make up this character? And- is Tommy Jones real? <laughs> Tommy Jones, they're saying, I have the article right now. Honestly, I swear, I am not even joking to you. <laughs> One character is named Dead. Gabriel Jones. I made oh up Tommy God. Jones just now, and the character is named Gabriel Jones. So I'm not that off, and that worries me, all right? The, the fact that I made Tommy Jones and, and we have Gabriel Jones, I don't want to play as Gabriel. That's all I'm saying. I don't want to play as Gabriel. Thank you very much. I love it. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on from this, even though there's still – wrinkles left of this conversation this might be a reoccurring <laughs> bit on the show until these black panther games come out that said um <laughs> um i'm curious if y'all have a dream licensed game developer pairing that you would like to see in the future in terms of things that we haven't seen potentially different properties different dev studios different genres what do you think I What's have one missing? that I can pitch really quickly. Sure. So Obsidian makes great RPGs. Um, they made Fallout New Vegas. They did The Outer Worlds. Uh, I don't know if y'all have uh, watched the Apple TV show Silo yet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's based off a book series, and it basically tells a story of like an underground community that like lives underground for reasons. Um, I would love to see Obsidian get that IP because I think there's some really fun stuff. Like it may not be as much of a shooter as the Fallout games or the Un- Outer Worlds games, but I think that's an IP that they could crush with. I like that. Like that. There are a couple cool. people that are going to be like, yeah, Silo, bro. Yeah. <laughs> nice. How about for you, Joseph? Yeah, I think the one thing that I get hyped about almost as much as video games is anime. And I'm Ooh. still chasing that white whale of a, hey, man, I'm playing a game that really feels like I'm in an anime uh, type experience. And I think Final Fantasy 16 most recently gave me like, yo, this is hype beyond hype. Same uh, with Final Fantasy 7 Remake. The, the fight scenes and the boss fights and all that stuff felt great in that too. So maybe Square Enix get one of my you know favorite anime properties, Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, Monster Hunter, Naruto, whatever, and make a, a narrative or a single player focused anime experience. I would be really hyped for that. What Love if you gave it. Mega awesome. Cat Studio My Hero Academia? Mega Cat Studios. They're Wrestle making Quest? Wrestle Quest that comes out like shortly. Well, I'll tell you, I'll take that. But I really, I am overdue for a. We've put all of our money, all of our studio hinges. You on want this like thing. the scale of it? Like I you want, want Final huge. Fantasy sixteen production, yeah. but exactly for a exactly. property. But, Quite frankly, I'll take anything that's not an arena battler. So Mega Cat Studio, if you're if you're doing my if you're thinking next, about please, it, yeah, please sure, go ahead. sure, love it. Um, my immediate thought was I'd love to see an Invincible game um, based on the the Skybound comic. I think there's such rich narrative, cool action, interesting characters. Um, I love the comic. I love the the Amazon Prime show. Um, and I would love to see, I think Sony Santa Monica would be a cool one to see because I think they do narrative really well. I think they do action-based combat really well. There's also some father-son dynamics at play in Invincible that I think they could kind of tackle the like dark tones and, and do something interesting with that cast of characters. So that's what I was thinking. I mean, you're going to get the... I've not seen Invincible. The Invincible Dad uh, is going to be in Mortal Kombat oh, 1. So I guess that's your like first step there. It's happening. It's a thing. Honestly, all those... We didn't even talk about... This is another podcast because I know we're, we're running short on time. But licensed characters and you know vehicles and different things being put in games that are not historically licensed games. Whether it's mm-hmm. you're driving the Jeep in Forza and Forza Horizon from Jurassic Park or things like that, that's great too. License games we are didn't cool. Talk about they can Fortnite. be cool. Yeah, and how Fortnite it's all like IPs. The, how do we not talk about Fortnite? That's actually crazy. I, it, it's funny you bring up Fortnite because when I was pitching topics for this episode, one of my topic suggestions was to just like unpack Fortnite as a pop culture thing because they had just announced the Jujutsu Kaisen stuff that I knew y'all would be hyped about. So mm-hmm. Maybe that's another episode. There's there's something with Fortnite that we can have a unique spin. If we you if you want to hear us Fortnite talk about episode. Fortnite, let us know in the comments when you're leaving that review about the Black Panther games and where where you stand. We need to know. Yeah, as someone who's played Save the World in the last six months, I have thoughts. Ooh, yeah. little tease, little tease, little love tease. it. <laughs> well, guys, this was very fun. Thanks for hanging out. Do either of you have? content and things you want to plug things you're working on things you're doing things you're excited about 
yeah, I would love to plug uh, what I and we're doing at PAX West, if that's all right, because like we're getting yeah. there. PAX West is in Heck two yeah. weeks now. Um, so it's if wild. you go to PAX Where's West time? on Sunday, uh, I have two panels that I'm hosting on the Sunday. Uh, wild that they let me to continue to do panels at that convention. Um, but I'm doing a panel at 1130 um, in the Monarch Theater. Uh, the Game Boy Advance is the greatest uh, handheld ever made. Uh, hyperbolic, again, but, you know, it gets people, get, gets us in seats. Uh, the, the crowd there, the, the folks on that panel are, are wonderful. You know, uh, friend of the show, Jenny Windham is on that panel. Uh, Celia yeah. Schilling's on that panel. Um, Adam Gumbert is on that panel. Like, it's just going to be a, a bunch of rock stars on that one. And then in the evening on Sunday, um, in the Blue Morpho Theater at 6.30 Pacific, uh, we are going to do Video Game Trivia 3 Dub Edition. Uh, again, another group of great folks that are going to be on that one. So, uh, you know, folks like Mike Toundro from 61 Indie, Jake Decker from GameSpot. So, like, please come. Check that out. It'll be fun. Uh, two panels. Thank you. Heck yeah. That's awesome. And on a similar PAX note, I think we're going to find time to do a live recording podcast. Not live streamed, but us all together in one room physically recording a podcast. So we're going to try to make that happen for sure. Mm-hmm. Joseph, uh, anything to plug? Any cool videos coming up? Go to Camp Pause, youtube.com slash at sign Camp Pause, or just go to YouTube and search Camp Pause. Uh, I'm playing a lot of games, so I'm trying to get reviews out. And uh, awesome. I do traditionally put up like top 10 this video game to look out for in 2023. But I feel like I covered most of them so far. So we're going to get into the best of uh, months here soon where I start uh, like calling out some of the best games of the year. Uh, so just go ahead and subscribe. Uh, watch my videos. Support. Uh, probably put out some review videos for, for the first time in Ooh-hoo-hoo. a very interesting format. Love so it. Stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah. That's about it. Oh, and uh, Player Player Pod, uh, go listen to that podcast with my boy Arsene. Uh, I don't know who's. I'm going to Japan in, or I've, I've gone to Japan. I don't. You're know like what in Japan, maybe when I'm, this I'm episode in Japan releases. So that means uh, somebody is probably covering for me on the on the show. Uh, so go ahead and listen to that episode. Is it going to be me or Luke? <laughs> maybe I don't know. I let Arsene figure that out. Love it. Good stuff, y'all. Well, with that, we are setting our status to away until next time. But until then, I'm going to ask you to do three things for us. Go ahead and follow at Crossplay Convos on Twitter to support the show. And go ahead and send this podcast to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts. Also, if you can give us a review on your podcast platform of choice as well as YouTube, it really helps. It helps people find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Um, But with that, keep on gaming and keep the vibes good, y'all.